have a really, uh, habit's probably wrong word, maybe tendency is the right word, when I drive, that I struggle to pay attention. My wife knows this, and that's not a struggle for her. Um, but she'll comment on the fact that I will easily miss signs. Uh, I will miss the direction that I'm supposed to go because I'm not paying attention to the signs and I'm instead paying attention to something else. And um, I, one of the reasons I love cruise control is because I might stop paying attention to what my speed is and end up going too fast. So, like, I have this bad habit of, you know, my mind, I'm like, oh, I need to pay attention to signs. Then my mind will wander off to something else and I'll, like, miss what I was supposed to be doing. When I would say, it's something that shows up in other areas of my life too. I can be like, oh, I need to spend, I need to pay close attention. I need to be real careful here. When I was a teenager, I ran sound for churches and for weddings and concerts and different stuff. And I remember a wedding where I wasn't paying attention. My mind wandered. That's a bad thing at a wedding to like miss your cue and do something at the wrong time. That's that's just a part of, I, I'm paying attention to something that as my mind wanders that I think is really important, even though something else is actually the thing I need to be paying attention to. I was thinking of that this week because so often in our Christian life, there can be so many things that it feels like we're supposed to pay attention to. We're supposed to pay attention to reading our Bibles, and we're supposed to be paying attention to discipling our kids, and we're supposed to pay attention to church attendance, and how am I supposed to think about this issue, and how am I supposed to think about this issue, and I'm supposed to have victory over this sin, and I'm supposed to, you know, follow these rules, and I'm supposed to do these things, and I'm supposed to do good works, and I'm supposed to remember that God loves me, and there can be so many different things. And it's hard to pay attention to, like, what is the thing that I really need to be focusing my mind on? What is the thing that I really need to be paying attention to in my Christian life? What is that thing that's really, really important out of all of the things to be paying attention to? Maybe you're like me, and you go, man, am I supposed to be paying attention to things I'm supposed to do or things I'm supposed to stop doing? Is it something that in some way I'm supposed to be working in the church, doing things that make God happy? Is it, is it that we need to be transforming our culture? We, our church needs to be doing this. We need to be doing that. What is that thing that we're supposed to be paying attention to? Today we're going to be looking at uh, some verses that really help us focus our mind, really pay attention to what is so incredibly important. Out of all of the things that seem to be important, Pay attention to this one thing. Go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be looking today at verses 4 through 10. Last week we looked at verses 1 to 5 because 4 and 5 are kind of hinge verses in Ephesians chapter 2. They're kind of hinge verses that move from this is what we used to be like, this is how we used to live, this is what used to be true about us, but God. And then it begins to transform those. But we can't miss the context. This is still kind of this prayer that Paul has saying, I want you to comprehend the power of God. And so so I want to read these verses, starting in verse 4. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and 
and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. God, as we open your word, help us to hear clearly from you. Use this truth to ground us. Help us to pay close attention to this and use this to change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. These verses are going to call us to pay attention to God's power in our salvation. Out of all of the things that we can pay attention to, and, and Paul has been saying, man, I want you to comprehend God's power that is working for you, that's raised Jesus from the dead, that set him over all of the rulers and authorities. And here he gets to this point, and he's like, and I want you to comprehend the power of God in your salvation. The power, I want you to pay attention to God's power in your salvation. And he does this, and it really gives us three results of God's power in our salvation. It's not just a small detail that God powerfully uses, powerfully works in our salvation. What I want to show you today is three results of God's power in your salvation. So first, pay attention to God's power in your salvation for confidence. So verses 4 and 5 really like set up this situation here. But God, and then he starts mod, like explaining some things about it. Let's, let's remember the situation. But God, he who is rich in mercy. This is the character of God. He doesn't start with, but God who is rich in wrath, but God who is rich in mercy. We've seen that God is both just, and here he's emphasizing that he's merciful. God, here's the situation. God in his character being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. So here's the situation. God is rich in mercy and has a great love with which he's loved us. And we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are dead and unable to please God, unable to turn our hearts towards him. Here's the situation. A rich, a rich and merciful God who loves us and us dead in our trespasses and sins. He says, but God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Here he's saying that God, who is rich in mercy, has used his power to take dead people and raise them to life. He describes them, in, he actually describes them in three ways. And they're kind of parallel because the words themselves sound the same. In English, we can't really translate it that way, but the words sound the same. And so he's running down this list. God's power in your salvation. Here's the situation. Dead in your sins, God is rich in mercy. He says he made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up with him. And then he seated us at his right hand. God, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God who is rich in mercy, who has a great love with which he loved us, he made us alive with Christ, raised us up with him, and then seats us. That's like a position of privilege and authority next to him in the heavenly places. And this God in his power has done this for dead people who do not deserve it, who cannot earn it, in our own death. God in his power does this for us. There's this sense in which God has made us alive, raised us up and seated us. That's kind of like this future sense that one day we will get to know fully and fully experience what it is like to share in the authority and to share that privilege 
being seated with Christ. But not only is that something that is future, but it's a future reality that we get to draw from in the present. So he's, he's saying, God is working for your salvation. God has worked for your salvation. And there are future blessings that you get to draw from now. Then he shows the purpose. This is where we get down um, to verse uh, 7. This is, this is where he gives us some confidence. Verse 7. So he said all of this. God, rich in mercy, raised us up with, or made us alive, raised us up with, seated him at the right hand of the God. This is what he says. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The entire purpose of the God who is rich in mercy, loving us with his great love, making us alive, raising us up and seating us with Christ, giving us benefits that we get to draw from now and a, a future reality that we get to look forward to one day. The entire purpose of this is so that God can display how incredibly great His riches are, the riches of His mercy are. The God who is rich in mercy with the great love with which He loved us, He does this so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is telling us that the purpose for God who is using His power in our salvation is so that He can lavish and show off how great His, great His mercy is for us. And that means that you and I can be confident in our salvation, that God is using His power for us and it's not going to run dry. God is actually at work for us using His power in our salvation, both future and present. So that he can show off and we can be confident that I'm not going to uh, draw down so much that God has no mercy left for me. God who has used his power for us is doing this so that he can show his great mercy off in our lives. It is, it is in weak people like me and, in like, and like you who can look at this truth that God is using his power in my salvation and so I can be confident. He's doing this so he can show off how immeasurably great his riches and mercy are. He's not getting tired of me. He's, he's, not, he's not sick of me. No, God has made me alive and raised me up and seated with me with Christ, allowing me to draw on those benefits right now so that I can never draw that down too far so that the immeasurably deep riches of his grace can be shown off in my life. And so by paying attention to God's power in my salvation, I can gain confidence. By paying attention to God's power in your salvation, you can gain confidence that God is not going to be done with you. He's not going to be sick of you. He's not leaving you alone. God is using His power for your advantage. I'm reminded of the story of Exodus. Recently, I rewatched Prince of Egypt with my kids. And now as an adult, I notice more differences between the Bible's story and the Prince of Egypt. When I was a kid, I didn't really notice all of this. But it caused me to think more and more about, like, why would God do that? Why would God not just deliver his people out of slavery in Egypt, but why would they go there in the first place? Why is this story so incredibly important? And there's a line in the movie, and then I think this passage really illuminates what's going on with that, is that uh, in the movie, the voice of God speaking to Moses out of the burning bush talks about God showing off all of his wonders in Egypt. And it, it, it reminds me of this verse, that God, who has been at work 
redeeming and saving his people, his weak people, his enslaved people throughout the Bible's history. And then now in our lives and in our history, God is doing this so that he can display the immeasurable greatness of his riches in Christ Jesus towards us. We can actually have confidence that God doesn't deliver once and then, okay, well, I'm tired of delivering. God loves to show off delivering weak, dead people. God loves to show off His immeasurably great power, the riches of His grace towards people that don't deserve it. He loves to show that off. And so for you and I, the application of this is to pay attention to God's power in our salvation so that we can gain confidence. This is the character of God. This is how he relates to me. This is how he's always going to relate to me. You and I can can look at these verses and go, God has used his power in my salvation so I can be confident that he's not changing his purpose. This wasn't something he did on accident. Just as he did it, with the people of Israel leading them out of slavery in Egypt, showing off his power in the same way God is using his power in my salvation so that he can show off the immeasurable greatness of his riches towards me in Christ Jesus. Another application of this is that as we pay attention to God's power in our salvation for confidence, then we begin to know what is the heart of God for us as he invites us to relate to the people around us in that same way. We begin to get a kind of confidence that this is the character of God that he is inviting me into. And so when he says, I want you to forgive your enemies, to pray for those who persecute you, do good to those who are hurting you, he's actually inviting us into his character and into his purposes to display the immeasurable greatness of his riches of grace. So this passage calls us to pay attention to God's power in our salvation for confidence. The second result of God's power in our salvation is we pay attention to God's power in your salvation for purpose and clarity. For purpose and clarity. Verses 9 and 10. Uh, Verses 9 and 10 tell us that our salvation is not a result of works so that no one may boast. Verse 8 is the very famous, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Verses 9 and 10 begin to talk about what what is the place of works of good works, of obedience in the life of a Christian. In verses 9 and 10, not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so like, what is, the, the, what is this relationship between works and salvation? Notice the, word, the way that these verses so often talk about works. Our works and God work, God's works. Not a result of our works, but like we, our salvation is a gift of God. We are God's workmanship. We are God's works. We are what he's been doing. We've been created by God in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This passage is calling us to pay close attention to the fact that God in his, is using his power. He is working in our salvation. And our works follow that. They don't create that. You see, the bent of our hearts is constantly to try and please God. Well, I'm better than I used to be. I'm changing. I'm not what I once was. But this passage is calling us to walk in his footsteps. The God who worked out our salvation, who created us in Christ Jesus, who created good works for us to do, is inviting us to walk in those ways. 
The temptation for us is to go, well, if I don't obey enough, I must not be a Christian. Actually, the temptation might be more like, if you don't obey enough, then you're not a Christian. And we begin to judge one another and say, well, these sins are the, these are the list. And if you, if you break these, then you must not be a Christian. And then in the quietness of our own heart, Satan turns that list around on us and says, if you do these things, you must not be a Christian. This passage calls us to say, no, our salvation is God using his power to create new people, to make good works for them to do, and then to empower them to walk in this. This gives us clarity. Paying attention to God's power in our salvation gives us clarity about what is the role of good works in the Christian life. We have to pay attention to God's power in our salvation or else we'll reverse the order. Like verse 9 says, not, not a result of works so that no one may boast. If we are not paying attention to God's power in our salvation, then we'll begin to reverse this order and begin to think, well, salvation is my doing. My good works is somehow pleasing to God, making me better than other people. And this passage calls us to pay attention to God's work in our salvation so that we don't begin to boast or think that the whole thing depends on us. You see, if we neglect God's power in our salvation, then we become afraid that it all depends on us. Or we get proud that it all depends on us. But if we're paying attention to the fact that this is God's power at work in us and in our salvation, then we have real clarity about what is the place of obedience in the Christian life. I don't obey so that I can please God. I have pleased God in Christ Jesus God has made me into a new person, given me a new record, a new identity, a new power, and then he's created good works for me to walk in. He's given me neighbors that he loves, and he's inviting, and he's inviting me to join him at work in their lives. God has given me his record, his identity, and his power, and he's given me children, spouse, friends, extended family, so that I can join him in loving not let me be loving to them so that he will love me. You see, God has given me his record and his identity and his power. And then he has invited me to love his, my enemies because he loves my enemies first and is calling me to join him in loving my enemies. You see, that's a, that's a, that gives us clarity about what is the relationship of good works to my salvation. That gives us clarity and purpose around that. You see, uh, uh, this, this idea that, that the, our entire Christian life depends on us and we have to create our own purpose. We have to get clear about what we do, about which way we walk, about how we do things. Reminds me of Joshua 1.9 where God says, Haven't I commanded you to be strong and courageous? But the, the point of it is, I am with you wherever you go. I am with you wherever you go. God is actually planning and working in our lives, not distant and hoping that we'll just somehow obey Him in this life that's removed from Him, but that God is actually relating to us and with us to the world. And He's inviting us into that. The same thing I, I'm reminded in Jeremiah 29, 11. Have I not, or I'm sorry, well, I have a, uh, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Jeremiah 29, 11 calls us to this idea that God has a purpose and a plan for us to prosper us and not to harm us. God is actually intending good for us. And that includes the good works that he's created us to do. 
And this gives us clarity about what's the relationship of those things to our Christian life. Our Christian life, based on God's power, done in God's power, is joining Him in the world. That is the purpose that God has created us for, not leaving us alone to create our own. And so the application of this for you and me is to go, man, where am I getting clarity and purpose for my life? Where am I going to, 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 to think about what God has planned for me and what God wants for me? Maybe you're making a hard decision right now and you're going, what, what does God want for me? That question has to be based on the fact that God is using His power in my salvation and He's using it in my Christian life. He created me in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand so that I would walk in them. God is actually intimately involved at every step, using His power for me. Not just kind of letting me go and hoping I make the right decision. And so maybe you need to be spending more time paying attention to God's power in your salvation as you make decisions about clarity and purpose. What is God about in my life? As you think about what is the relationship of good works to your salvation, you need to be paying attention to God's power in your salvation. God is the one that is working for you. And first, the third result of God's power in your salvation is this call to pay attention to God's power in your salvation for the power to live the Christian life. Pay attention to God's power in your salvation for power. Notice verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see, I think that that line is so incredibly important. We are His workmanship. God is the one that is crafting us into what He wants us to be. But then, then the really, I think the really important word, created in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus. God is actually at work in the, in the life of a believer. He has already made us anew in Christ. And that is where the power for obedience and the Christian life comes from. We have to pay attention to God's power used in our salvation so that we come to identify ourselves as new creations that God has made. And so as we face temptation, we can not just say, man, this is what I should do, but God has made me new and called me to go in this way. I am a new creation, not what I used to be. I am not enslaved to sin like I used to be. I am not enslaved to my desires like I used to be. I am not crippled by what has happened around me and to me and decisions that I've made because I am a new creation. That statement, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, gives us a kind of power for good works that we can't get anywhere else. The power for the good works that God has called us to do comes from God because He makes us new. I am a new creation made by God and made for God. You, if you are in Christ, are a new creation made by God and for God. And that statement, thinking about God's power in our salvation, gives us a kind of power that we've never had before. One of my old pastors used to frequently say that grace works but guilt works faster. He'd often say that in the context of raising kids. But it's in how we encourage one another and how we disciple each other and how we talk about the Christian life. That grace works, but guilt works faster. You could also say shame works faster. That we go, well, I mean, I can be gracious, but that would require me to be patient too. 
And so what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to use guilt to try and make myself or to make other people fit in the mold faster. You know, like, well, we need to share the gospel. And I could use grace to encourage somebody to share the gospel. But it would be faster if I just say, you know, if you really love God, then you would do this. If you really love God, then you would share the gospel with your neighbor. If you, if you really were a Christian, then you would make sure to take out your coworker for lunch and share the gospel with them. You, because that's a, that's a whole lot faster. We can get some obedience if we use shame and guilt to make somebody do something a little bit faster. Raising our voice a little bit louder. Saying, why, do you, why are you always like this? When the, the reality is that's not how the Bible motivates obedience. The Bible motivates obedience by saying you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. God has prepared things for you in advance. But you are a new creation, saved not by your works, but by God who has used his power for your advantage. God has worked for your salvation. God has worked for your salvation and he has made you a new creation and he's at work in your neighbor's life. And he has prepared things for you to walk in and he's given you the power to do that from the inside out. But it will not affect your salvation because God is the one who saves, not us. It's not our works. It's not our obedience. It's not how, how, how much time we can put between our last sin and our current sin. God is the one who is at work in our salvation. And so the, this passage calls us to pay attention to God's power in our salvation so that we can have the power to obey God. You see, we can pay attention for a little bit, but just like when I walk, drive down the road and my mind wanders to some conversation, to some dream, to some plan, to some news, this passage says pay attention to God's power so that you have the power to obey. Don't just try to focus a little bit more on obedience. Don't just try to focus a little bit more on good works. Pay attention to God's power because that is going to produce in you the desire and the power for the good works that God has created for you to do. If you're like me, this passage sounds like, oh, okay, if I just pay attention to God's power, then I'm going to be more confident of God's love. I'm going to have more clarity about the relationship between my works and God's works. And I'll have more power to do it. So this week, I'm going to try and pay attention a little bit more. But honestly, that's just a crushing weight of obedience that I will not do on my own. Sure, I can pay attention for a little bit. I can, I can try a little bit harder, but where is the good news for somebody like me that pays attention to so many other things that seem weightier, seem more important in my life? Where is the good news when I gain my confidence from what other people think about me or how good my performance is this week? Where is the good news for somebody like you and me who finds purpose and clarity in just keeping my own standards and just trying to do a little bit better? Where is the good news for somebody like for you and me who tries to find the power to obey God in shame and guilt? Where is the good news for us? The good news for you and me is that Jesus lived the life that we should live and died the death that we should die so that we could be made alive 
and our salvation wouldn't have to depend on our obedience. It wouldn't have to depend on how well we find our confidence in God's power. It, I, well, our clarity and purpose don't come from how well we can obey, but from the fact that Jesus obeyed and died in our place and was raised to new life. Jesus is the one who always did good works. And now if you are in Christ, that is your record. And so as God invites you, calls you to good works, you can know that Jesus' record of perfect good works is already your record. You're not adding something to your salvation. You already have God's great smile and good pleasure because you have obeyed him and done the good works that he's created you to do. And so when this passage calls us to pay attention to God's power in our salvation, that doesn't become another work that makes God love us. We can, as we pay attention to that, we can marvel that God has given us his record and his identity and his power. And nothing we can do can add to that. that not by works so that no one can boast. And so we get look at that in that good news gospel and we marvel. Maybe you're listening to this today and you're going, I want this, I want this for me. How can I know that God has used his power for my salvation? God is using his power so I can have salvation. How can that be mine? The story of the Bible is the story that God made it good, the world, and made it good. And he put Adam and Eve in the garden. And he declared it very good, them very good. Adam and Eve were given one rule and called to live as rulers over the world, but under God's authority. God is the great king because he made the world. And Adam and Eve live under him as his subjects, but also as rulers under him of the world. But Adam and Eve said, that's not enough for us. That is not enough. We want our own way. We do not trust you, God, and we will not follow you. So Adam and Eve rebelled against God, making themselves his enemies. And everybody after them has joined them in that rebellion against God, making ourselves his enemies. The Bible describes that as the fall. And in that, physical death and spiritual death were in, entered into the world. So that every person, sinful and rebellious against God, has physical death and spiritual death in hell to look forward to. But instead of leaving us there, the Bible says that Jesus lived the life that we should live, died the death that we should die, and was raised to life. So that all who repent of sin and trust in, God, in Christ alone can be saved. So that, so that spiritual death is no longer our destiny, but it's a relationship with God and a destiny with Him in heaven, ruling the universe with Him forever. That, that response of repentance, I turn away, I confess my sin, I turn away from sin, and I am going to believe that Jesus is who He says He is, and I'm going to trust that His life, death, and resurrection... Um, were done in my place. And I will trust him. I will follow him as my king, as my Lord. He is going to be the one that sets the agenda now. That restores us into relationship with him. This passage says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. That's that trust element. Through faith. And this is not of yourselves so that no one may boast. If you want to trust in Christ like that, you can do that right now. You can reach out in the comments. You can send me, go to the belgiumchurch.com and go and send me an email. You can talk to, to one of us and say, hey, I want 
I want this kind of salvation. I want this. I want to know for sure that this is mine, that God's power has been for me and my salvation. That can be yours through repentance and faith. So then we, I want you to imagine with me, what, is it, what would it look like if we pay attention to God's power in our salvation? Imagine what changes in your life when your confidence of God working on your behalf comes as you pay attention, meditating on the fact that God has used his power for my salvation and my works don't add to it. Imagine what changes when your confidence doesn't come from situations outside of you, but from that truth that God has been working for my salvation. Imagine what changes when your purpose and your clarity about the relationship between good works and our salvation come from us realizing, oh, I am God's workmanship. I was created in Christ Jesus, and he's been at work around me, preparing good works for me to do. Imagine what changes in that. Imagine what changes when the power to obey God comes as we meditate on God's power for our salvation. Then I think our lives become different. Our families become different as we go, oh, this isn't about let's try harder. Let's use more guilt or more shame to get more obedience. We're going to, we are going to meditate together on God's power in our salvation for the power and that changes our, our family relationships. That changes our, our, our relationship to sin as we meditate on God's power has been for me and is at work in me, creating me anew. That changes everything. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to meditate on your power in our salvation. Help us to pay close attention, to comprehend how you have been working, raising us from death to life. Raising us up and seating us with, at the right hand so that you can display your riches in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.